Welcome to the second part of our interview with Joe George, founding and managing partner of Isma Capital. We left you right after a super exciting talk with Joe about his strategy as a value add LP and just before David was about to derail the interview with something that he's been wanting to ask Joe for a long time. So, welcome back. Joe, I'm going to apologize in advance because I feel that this might kind of change the script of the whole <laughs> interview here on. But you said something about fund management as a product and you need to think of it as a product. And my question is, is that product ripe for disruption? Because we haven't seen that much disruption. You know, if we look at VC or uh, VC funds as a product, there hasn't been that much, to be honest. There's been some, I would argue, incremental innovations, you know, usage of data, machine learning, and so on. So that's incremental, but there hasn't really been like a disruptive cut. What, what are your thoughts about that? You know, there's a lot of ink spilled on disrupting the VC model and the VC model's broken and all of that. <laughs> I'm not interested, to be really frank. I think there's a reason the VC model standardized broadly on a GPLP format with a portfolio construction. I think the reason is that predominantly that works. And there's 40 years of history into why that works. Are there problems with it? Of course. Are there issues to be managed? Of course. But fundamentally, it is the, the best structure that we know to do this kind of investing. <laughs> <laughs> disruption for disruption's sake, I'm not interested in. I don't think, you know, and, and you do you do meet people sometimes who say, oh, you know, I hate VC and I hate the VC model and I'm doing something different. And I don't know, I haven't often heard something that I could get excited about. But what I have heard that I can get excited about is there's a certain investment scenario or company builder scenario or, or whatever that is not well served by the traditional VC model. In fact, there's something else that could work better. I say, okay, that's tell me more, you know, let, let me hear about that. And from time to time, somebody tells me more and it's, and it makes a lot of sense. So I'll give you a real example, entrepreneur first. Yep. This is an example where we were involved, my, my partner Chris in particular was a mentor there before they had any funds, and they were creating a place that founders could meet and work on a project before there was even a company. At some point in the journey, either the founder would found a company or leave the program. So if you would think about funding that, would a traditional VC make sense? Well, you have to give people money before there's a company form, so there's no equity to buy in that case. <laughs> So it's not really an investment. So, so yeah, you need a different model, right? Yeah. And so that was, uh, okay, that's interesting. So how would that work? And, you know, and, and Matt and Alice pioneered a method and, and an approach, and, and we worked with them on the very first fund to understand how would you approach that using what we knew about traditional fund investing and what they knew about building companies. And I think that's been a great success, but they are always first principles thinkers. They weren't saying to us back in those days, how can we disrupt VC? More they were saying, how can we help these entrepreneurs build companies and give them the support they need? And, and part of that support is capital, but they need other forms of support, which is you know, the EF method. There are some interesting incremental innovations in the space on the strategy side right now. We have Tiger Global doing a spray and pray approach across all sectors and all stages. That's one. Then we have, of course, also private equity firms going further down. So they're starting to do Series A even. What are your views on what's happening in Europe? Maybe also the mini IPOs we're seeing in the Nordics. What are your views on everything that's happening 
is there something that you'd say this is <laughs> this is interesting or this is completely wrong oh my goodness big question well you know i guess i have a comment on the market in general but but we have a focus you know we want to be there early and so we spend our days thinking about how do we find the next exciting company through our partners and help it as it grows, which means co-investing in secondary and so on. Indeed, then you get a, a DST in the past and a Tiger now and, and, and hedge funds and pre-IPO investors, and they tend to come along quite a bit later. So we encounter them in a different way, which is they're, they're joining a late stage round. And we kind of observe them more than we opine on them, shall we say. So we have co-invested with Tiger Global. Um, we're doing one right now. And they're very impressive. They're, they're very good. So we take their involvement as a, as a strong sign. I don't have a really fixed view on will their strategy ultimately work. They're very good. From what I can tell, their company selection is good. So if they're able to, you know, returns are all about money in and money out. So if you're able to buy significant ownership at a good price and you drive big outcomes, you'll have a great return. My personal investment strategy is I like small funds. I think it's easier to turn 50 or 100 million into three, four, five X than it is to turn 500 million or a billion into three, four, five X. I, I think statistically that's true, but also in Europe, it's even more true, right? We have more unicorns and it's been a record Q1 in unicorn generation more than ever. But I don't necessarily want my investment strategy to be based on the requirement to generate unicorns. I'd much rather enter a company at 50 or 100 million valuation where if you have the, as you, as you said, Andres, the small IPO, the billion, the 500 IPO, the billion IPO, if you are in at 50, you've, you've got your 10 or 20 X. Fantastic. You know, if you've entered at 500 and you have the 800 IPO, it's not really the venture return we're, we're looking for. Um, so I'm expressing my personal like bias. Um, <laughs> and again, I, I will be wrong and I have been wrong and I will be wrong. <laughs> so, so these bigger models and certainly pre-IPO investors are very active these days and they want to own the, the shares after they go public. So coming in in these late stage rounds, it pushes up valuations quite a lot, but it's a pretty interesting strategy if you know, those companies have realized that, that private companies stay private much longer so they need to buy in privately. They didn't do that years ago. Yeah. So that's a whole new range of investors that we see. And frankly, I'm happy with that because a lot of our companies, they need that additional capital to grow at that point in time. And the VCs are largely you know, tapped out by that point in time. So this is really a continuum in the DEF rounds, shall we say, which is great. Joe, I have like a thousand questions that I'd love to ask. I'd like to ask a, a kind of a broad question going back to the script that we kind of just butchered. Best tips for VCs? Can you just share some kind of broad recommendations? You've had a lot of exposure to fund managers and emerging managers, as you said. I'm sure you've seen some patterns there or, or some unexpected stuff. So I'd love just to give you like a, a couple of minutes to expand on that for our listeners to hear. Well, I was asked myself the question and, and I asked new VCs the question, why does the world need another firm? You know, when you're creating a new VC fund, a new VC firm, why does the world need another firm? There are a lot of them. We have an active database of about 900 VC firms in, in Europe now. And I think there's probably an equal number you know, that we're not actively tracking. So if you come up with an idea, the chances are pretty good someone else has. And to me, a, a good answer to why does the world need another firm is something along the lines of there's a group of founders who needs me. 
you know, who needs the help I can provide, the capital I can provide, and they're not well served at the moment. I just want to have a firm. That that's not a good enough answer. I I, I don't you know. I just want to have a firm doesn't to me display how you'll win. You know. But the kind of answers that I've heard from from lots of our partners are, you know, let, let me tell you a story. There's a kind of deep tech founder. I mean, here's a real example. There's a kind of deep tech founder in our in our target market that is building really interesting technologies with high potential and they're not well served by VCs because VCs in their seg in their market are not able to really help with the tech and at that very early stage at the seed stage they don't need growth hacking and you know brand building and all that they need really product development and so we have a this the real example I'm describing we have a VC team of coders and really deep tech guys and we can get in there and help and oh oh that's that's kind of interesting so then you go talk to some entrepreneurs and they say yeah we really struggled you know we we approached 10 VCs none of them could even understand what we were doing never mind take a bet on it so there's an example where i said boy okay that's exciting because that market needs needs your help you small amounts of capital early but but more importantly that value add that you're proposing and there there are lots of examples you can have a thesis on the geography eastern europe is a good example right there are it's less mature than western europe so there are great companies being built and fewer great vcs running around so that market needs more great firm and it's getting them yeah. you know they're being yeah. um so there's a geographical example the technological example that i just mentioned is a real and and that's a deep tech example but there're lots lots of others and again that need to keep an open mind what i do is is listen to the thesis you know and and when someone comes in and says there's a market segment that's highly generative that can can really grow strongly however it's not well served by current capital solutions that kind of i always think about it as a kind of a supply demand imbalance you know these founders need help and they're building important stuff okay tell me more <laughs> that's that's when i get excited i i i start to lean in so with any vc and i'm off the track as usual but with any vc <laughs> i would I think to myself what's your you know you really your core thesis and I think with all private funds VC but any other private fund there's kind of three big things you need to believe as an investor first of all is there's an attractive market segment you know so however you're defining your market kind of can you explain that to me in story but quantify it you know how many founders how many companies have within this and how do you define that market what's in it what's not in it And so if I can kind of agree with you that that's an exciting segment to invest into that's kind of step 1. Step 2 is well what would be the strategy to approach that? How big are the tickets? What sort of follow on would you anticipate to to fund these companies over time and so strategically how would you approach that? Big question for every VC, why would the really best entrepreneur take your money? Especially in a market where there are more and more options. You know, if 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 they have 5, 10 term sheets why are they going to take yours over a different one every vc firm developing its own secret sauce should be developing a range of answers to that well they should take our money because we've backed five other companies just like them and we've had great outcomes and and we provide this and we have someone on our team who's you know able to do abc so i think as the market gets more competitive as europe gets more mature you'll be competing more every vc and so you need to 
have a constant development of why that founder wants you. Yeah, so I've, I've kind of derailed my own train. <laughs> so, so, so train there. I was super, it was super good. It was exactly what we were asking, and, and it was actually so much on point that I'll, I'll have to change the first question in our quickfire, but that's just going to be fun. Are you ready for a, a, a quickfire round, 30, 60 seconds per question? Well, as ready as I ever get, sure. <laughs> the first question is, what would be your single best advice to VCs fundraising? And I'm changing that to being, what's the single dumbest thing you see VCs doing when fundraising? <laughs> well, one of my personal complaints about new VC fundraising is these these superlative statements, we're the only one doing this. We're the first one doing this, whatever the this is. <laughs> And I don't care if you're the only one or the first one. It's not how you generate value. How you generate value is being the best one. And so all you know, you, you have a lot of firms who are pitching in that way. We're the first, blah, blah, blah. We're the first one for this. I don't like that because for two reasons. A, it's seldom true. And it displays that this group doesn't know about the group in another country doing the same thing. So, so I would always be careful. We're the only one doing this. I would be really careful with that statement because there are very few new ideas under the sun, somebody else doing it. And again, that's not how you create value. So part two, don't tell me you're the only one. I don't want to back. <laughs> I want to back the great one. Tell me why you're going to be great. Why this investment thesis you have is, you know, again, finding great entrepreneurs and driving value in their companies and building something great. That's more interesting. So yeah, don't... <laughs> the only or it always leads with all investors us us included if you say you're the only one doing it then the investor looks at you and says, oh so probably it's not a good idea because <laughs> yeah. if it's a really great idea others will see it too others will come absolutely okay joe then the next question why should lps invest in a fund of fund rather than directly into a vc firm oh for lots of reasons lots of reasons europe as I mentioned, is very fragmented, um, very diversified. I think you know less and less every year where the next big thing will come from. So what our kind of fund of funds gives you as an investor is that broad diversification to increase your probability of finding the next big thing. We double down on it with co-investments and, and so on. And for LPs, the fund of fund, the way we operate a fund of fund, it really gives you a partner you can learn from, you can leverage our research, our, our specialist expertise, and that's how we view partnership with our investors that, you know, you may not have spent a lot of time flying around the Nordic region or, or Eastern Europe or France, but we have and LPs benefit from that. And venture capital is perhaps the only area where fund of funds are able to perform on the same level as a direct fund. And, mm. and that's partly because in venture capital, you have the highest dispersion of returns. In other words, a great fund will be greater than another area and a bad fund will be worse than any other. <laughs> so so it, on a portfolio level for, for all investors, it's really important to diversify. And for those investors that can build their own diversification, they can you know select 10 or 20 groups themselves. Fine, they can do that. They still need a team and a research agenda. But most investors can't start from that point, particularly in COVID, mm -hmm. right? Nobody's been able to travel for a year. So um, what, what we do is enable you to have that diversification, have a good look into the whole market. We can take the risky bet that you may not. <laughs> That's another, I always think a really interesting, you know, we backed a lot of fun ones. <laughs> it's probably more, more than I want to say out loud. Um, 
And I'm thrilled to say they're performing really well. These are hungry, exciting firms that are doing, doing great stuff. But most traditional LPs are not able to take that risk because they're not able to diversify that risk in a bigger portfolio. We balance that with some three, fours, and fives and more mature groups. But that's also exciting for our LPs that when those fun ones start to grow, we connect directly our VCs and our LPs. So maybe fun one was a bit too, you know, on the edge and, and risky, but maybe fun two, you know, you'd, you'd like to back directly. And it's a lot of great benefits. I guess the, the last reason is that we have a number of corporate investors who view a fund of funds as an extension to their corporate VC activity. Mm -hmm. So any one VC fund can show you 20, 30 companies. We can show you 800 companies. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty powerful lever. You know, if you're uh, looking in the telecom sector, you kind of want to look everywhere, not, not just in, in the one or two funds you, you're able to back directly. So that, again, that very broad eyes and ears and, and access to, to the market is important. Final question, Joe. What is next from you and what's next from Isomer Capital? Oh, I couldn't possibly tell you. Um, <laughs> we're cooking up some exciting stuff and I'll just, I'll just hint at it. I mean, more of the same, right? Uh, we're backing a lot of funds now. Some of our partners who've come back with their new funds and some new firms as well. So quite a nice mix there. There's too many great funds to back now in Europe. So unfortunately, we're turning down really fantastic funds and it kills me. You know, I do hate that. I sometimes talk to my my friends at the EIF and I say, boy, I'd love to be in your position where you back everybody. They say, well, I'd love to be in your position that you're flexible and nimble and you can do different things. So the grass is, is always greener. To continue to do that. We're doing more co-investing. I guess that's quite an important feature. And that's kind of logical as companies are growing and, and asking us more. So, so you'll, you'll see an increase. We've done a fair bit already. You'll see an increase there. But I'll just hint at what's coming because it'll take a little while. But our view for Isomer was... Again, not to be a fund of funds, but to be a great tech investor. And if you follow the entrepreneur on their journey, they need different things along the way. You know, they need certainly in that seed round help, value add, and some risk capital. But as they go along, they need different things. They need liquidity options. When, when a founder leaves, when an LP leaves a fund, we do a little bit of secondaries with our GP partners, and that's great. But there's a bigger need for that in the market than we're, we're serving. So we need to do more there. Um, sometimes companies grow up and need, need debt, particularly business models where there's an inventory component or there's a hardware component or so you know with our with one of our LPs in particular they're offering now debt directly to companies and so I think that's an area where we need to we need to do more and so anyway much longer story there but what we do at Isomers think where should we be doing more for the entrepreneurs and the fundpreneurs of Europe and there's a lot of things you know the, the more you think about it the more we can do and we should do so yeah without sort of revealing too many we, we have <laughs> We have half-baked ideas, three-quarter-baked ideas, and a couple of ideas that are, you know, will be ready for show in the in the coming quarters. Joe, I think you've hinted to some really uh, interesting and exciting things. So hopefully, we'll be able to have you back to talk about them when they are fully cooked. You can count <laughs> on on an invitation for that. And I really enjoyed the cooking metaphor throughout the episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> thank you, Joe. Uh, <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you, Andreas. Really, really nice talking with you as always. And love to come back anytime. This was our interview with Joe Shorch, founding and managing partner of Isomer Capital. If you would like to see more from Joe, I suggest you follow him on LinkedIn. We thank you for listening to the European VC, the go-to place for insights into European VC. Visit theeuropeanvc.com to hear more from us. If you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, please do reach out to us. If you're about to raise an international round, we're happy to introduce you to relevant VCs. We are always there for you.